0: Church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon.
1: We can get some more. Um, we can gain some more understanding as we uh, discuss these things together. And we're opening up tonight to the book of Revelation, and we're looking at chapter eight. Hallelujah.
0: Give me a second. Put this thing on. So I
1: have like some hands free. All right. Shout amen. If you found Roman uh Revelation chapter eight. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God for his word. So as we have been looking in chapter 7 and let's just kind of get a brief overview of what we've seen so far in this magnificent book of Revelation uh, we have gone through the first three chapters of Revelation which were uh, which were letters to the various churches in Asia Minor, in modern day Turkey um, it is such a rich portion of scripture because of because this is Jesus' words to his church. And so uh, it, it's hard for me not to spend uh, 20 weeks preaching out of the first three chapters. But uh, we made it through that. In Revelation 4, uh, we, we had a great departure from the earth and got a view into the very throne room of God. And uh, it was amazing what we saw described there. There is, in chapter 5, a scroll. And this scroll that is described in chapter 5 is basically the subject of the last few chapters that we've been looking at. So this scroll contains vital information for the end times. And uh, the Bible said in chapter 5 of Revelation that this scroll was sealed with seven seals. And uh, in the old world, of course, every scroll, if it was uh, important information, it would be sealed with a wax seal on it, stamped with a dignitary, a a signature ring, basically. Um, And this is their way of securing information. And so when we have a scroll that is sealed with seven individual seals, that means it must be really, really, really important stuff. And so uh, there was a progression of these seals being removed from the scroll. And when each seal was removed, it was coinciding with uh, events taking place on the earth. The first seal coincided with a conqueror being released on the earth. Uh, The second seal, conflict on the earth. Third seal, scarcity and famine. Uh, Fourth seal, widespread death on the earth. Does anybody remember how many people died? as the fourth seal was removed from the scroll. Patrick. Uh, no, no, that's later on. Yes, sir? Uh, well, you had it backwards. It was a quarter of the world that passed away, 75% remaining. Uh, does somebody want to run the microphone again? Okay, thank you, sir. Um, so, yes, a quarter of the earth uh, passes away. And uh, most of those are going to be people, you know, it's interesting to think about, uh, you know, what would happen if famine broke out, you know, or or if we lost electricity. Can you imagine how many people are alive right now just because of our modern technological world? You know, if if we lost electrical, uh, even just think about the United States, eastern seaboard. I mean, if we lost electricity, even for two weeks, there would probably be, Millions of people that died, people who are dependent on insulin, for example, and insulin which has to be refrigerated and if all of a sudden you can 't refrigerate things and people can 't get insulin uh, there 's a lot of people going to going to die so that 's uh, that's probably what is happening in this fourth seal as a quarter of the world population passes away in a very short span of time. The fifth seal we saw uh, something very very interesting, a, a precious Uh, group of scriptures there because we saw the cry of the martyrs and that was important because we saw uh, People who had passed away. So these are martyrs. These are people who had died for their faith, but they still remained uh, in heaven and so we got a glimpse into Intermediate heaven heaven as it is now not as it's going to be which is kind of a rare view that we have In the scripture, but we saw them as they're crying out for judgment they're crying out because they had been killed. Um, they had uh, suffered greatly, and they're, they're, they're praying to God. God, when will you, will you judge, uh, judge and avenge these actions that were taken against us? So uh, interesting things to learn there. Sixth seal was the cosmic disturbances that we looked at last week, uh, which included the sky receding as a scroll every mountain and island moved from its place the earth literally is shaking uh as a result of this sixth seal being removed from the scroll and as uh, a parenthesis here now we're in uh, chapter seven which we also looked at last week uh in chapter seven then we read about the the uh those who are marked by the lord and we got a number for that patrick patrick got that number uh, and just a moment ago there was 144,000 and does anybody remember where that number c- came from? How how was it split up? Yes sir. Uh, 12 tribes. Yeah. 12,000 from each tribe. 12,000 from each tribe of Israel. And what did they receive? What did they receive from God? The 144,000. Markita Is it
2: uh, um, 12 plagues? No. Nope.
1: Oh. Andre? White robes? Uh, well, no. <laughs> yes. A seal. That's right. They received a mark. A seal on their forehead. There you go. A, a seal, a mark on their forehead. Which. What, what, what did we decide that that seal mean? What did it mean? What did it? How did it mark them as different from the rest of the earth? Yes? It marked them
2: as, um, it marked them as children of God.
1: Mm hmm. Which meant what exactly?
2: It means that they were safe during the last days.
1: Yes, very good. So even in the midst of chaos happening around them, that these 144,000 set apart, set aside on the earth, um, that uh, it reminds me of the plagues of, Israel, uh, p- plagues of Egypt, rather. Right, so, in the the account of the ten plagues that came against the nation of Egypt, as God is trying to rescue his people out of that uh, out of that slavery, and the Bible says that the plagues only applied to the Egyptians. Did you ever read that? There was a plague of boils, right, so all of a sudden, everybody looks on their skin, and their skin is covered with all these nasty abrasions and terrible thing and people are itching and scratching but they look over to the to the slave population and they're not they don't have any problems and so the plague only applied to the Egyptians it was uh, the the uh, the frogs the boils the locusts and on and on it goes every plague but it only affected the Egyptians and then the final plague of course was the death of the firstborn and so God put a, a, a something in motion and he said uh, that this plague is going to take place and it's interesting because Moses is the one who announces this to the whole nation he, he speaks it to the children of Israel but no doubt there would have been Egyptians who were aware of this plan that if you want to avoid the death of the firstborn you can take a lamb you can slaughter that lamb it has to be a pure and a spotless lamb and take the blood and paint it over the door of your house where you stay and then you're going to have a a cookout you're going to have a feast and you're going to eat the rest of that lamb and when we go to bed that night the as the death angel comes through this nation is searching for the blood of the lamb right and if if they see the blood of that lamb then the death would not enter that house right so this is a plague again Uh, Yes, it's Passover. That's why we have the name the Passover. So the death angel passes over these houses that are marked by the blood of the Lamb. Isn't it interesting? Almost exactly the same way, God is marking his people that they are not going to suffer under the same plagues as the rest of the earth. God is called out and set apart. And so literally by the blood of the Lamb, they are marked and they are saved and only the Egyptians suffer the death of the firstborn. So very similarly, we see that a group of people, 144,000, they're the tribes of the children of Israel. These are most likely a representative of all those who are saved during this tribulation time on the earth. And then we also saw a great multitude at the second half of chapter 7, we see a second group of people. And who are these people? The multitude from the great tribulation. We have starting in verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the throne. Now these this is where the white robes come in. Yes, sir. These were the people that
2: accepted Jesus Christ into their lives before, they, um, before the rapture had happened, and they were the ones that were also set apart, and so they were... Uh, Bestowed upon them were white robes that set them apart from everybody else.
1: Yes. So basically we have the same group of people. These are all part of the church, right? The, the big church, everyone who has ever been saved. Uh, so we have a portion of them represented by the 144,000 on the earth that are still alive during the time of tribulation. What a terrible time to be a Christian. But then you also have the great multitude. And this was a little preview of eternity right of what heaven is going to be like eventually and so now with all of that context now we jump into chapter eight where we reach the final seal the seventh of the seven seals is about to be removed and it is the worst one of them all because the seventh seal opens uh, the scroll and begins to again it leads to a procession but now instead of seven seals we've got another set of seven And these are seven trumpets. And so, let's pick up right there. I'd like somebody to read, if we can. Uh, Patrick's going to read verses 1 through 6.
3: When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense, and he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense and the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared
1: themselves to sound. Okay, so here we have seven angels. These are most likely seven angels who also appeared in Revelation chapter one, uh, the same ones who brought the message to the churches. Uh, but we also have uh, these seven angels who are now going to—they're—they're uh, they're going to mark the passing of this next. Portion. now remember where we're at in the whole grand scheme of things here we we are in the midst of the great tribulation which is happening on earth the beginning of this is uh, according to a premillennial uh, excuse me according to uh, uh those of us who believe in in the rapture that is the beginning moment of a seven-year time span that is split up into two halves the first three and a half years and the second three and a half years we're, we're going to see how that's divided in uh... in just a few moments so right here in the middle uh... when the church is raptured the the influence of of the church is then removed from the world so okay just get this even though we understand that not everybody who says you're a christian is actually a christian right but even saying that, imagine the effects that the rapture is going to have on the world. Imagine if all of a sudden there's no church on Sunday morning. Or the only church that's going to happen on Sunday morning is people who were left behind and distraught. Imagine, uh, you know, the Left Behind series portrays this pretty well as, as airplanes who have Christian pilots all of a sudden can't fly anymore. All of a sudden, uh, police officers and government officials, all those who are true believers, vanish in a moment to meet Jesus in the air. So that is a cataclysmic event, all by itself. And that marks the beginning of these great tribulation events. Okay? So that's the beginning. A lot of Christians are going to... Every true Christian will be gone. Right? Yes. Yes.
4: My mom, who uses a walker, we like to freak out the neighborhood. <laughs> and when we go places, we leave her walker standing out in the middle of the yard.
1: <laughs> leave, <laughs> you got to leave a pile of clothes there with it. <laughs> um, okay, so that, that marks the beginning of this seven-year period. Now, as we have been reading through chapters 6 and 7, we are progressing through this first half of the tribulation period so that first half part of it mentioned that one quarter of the remaining world will die okay so you how many you know it's hard to put an estimate on how many Christians we have in the world today but according to people who profess to be Christians it's probably about 2 billion people on the earth that's a lot right so 2 billion out of 8 billion it's almost like a quarter of the people So if 2 billion people are gone in an instant, and then another quarter of the world dies because of famine and disease. So that's one quarter gone plus another uh, quarter of that. Do the math. That's 6 billion minus a quarter. Uh, Like, uh, that's a lot of people. (laughs) Public math is dangerous. So so we've already got close to half of the world population gone within a three-year time span. That's serious, all right? And that is even before these seven trumpets begin to sound. Let's talk about the trumpets now. These angels are going to sound the trumpets. And can somebody tell me the significance of the trumpet, especially in Hebrew uh, history and Jewish history? What is the significance of the trumpet? What would they use the trumpet for? Yes, mom.
4: They usually use the trumpet or the shofar to um herald in the Holy Spirit to announce that it's time to for the Holy Spirit to be here.
1: Okay? You want to add to that?
2: Um if if I'm correct, I think it was used to sound a, as like a as a war cry or as a that they also use for royalty to announce a royal presence coming. Okay. Yeah. Andre, you wanna add to that? Uh, battle. It was like a, a sound for battle, mm-hmm. uh, that the enemy was coming, or to something to that effect, or battle to go out to fight.
1: Sure. So uh, it had religious significance, so they would they would blow the shofar and blow the trumpet. Uh, when there was a, a celebration that was going to take place, for example, the Passover, and they would have different patterns that they would blast, much like in the in the military, how you know you have different songs, different bugles, different calls for different things. And in, in much in the same way, they would have different calls for different purposes. So um, let me get a couple of scriptures here. Let's look. Uh, I'd like somebody to get um, Zephaniah 1, verse 7. Who wants to get that? Caitlin? Zephaniah 1 verse 7. I'd also like to get Ezekiel, Ramon. Uh, actually, let me have you, Ramon, get Joel 2 verse 1. Joel chapter 2 verse 1. Is this for me? Okay, thanks buddy. Appreciate that. I'll keep it right here. Uh, I I need one more person to to, uh, read. Dave, Ezekiel 33, 1 through 6. So there's a couple things I want to highlight here as we move forward. Let's talk about the half an hour. Did anybody catch that? It said, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for half an hour. Which is very weird. Because every other time you see heaven in the scripture it's a noisy place there is worship happening there are songs and music and praise and people falling down and crying out there's a lot of noise happening in heaven but this is unique in the scripture because it says for half an hour there was complete dead silence in, in heaven and uh... i heard pastor scott lamb preach a sermon <laughs> where he talked about that scripture and he says that he was talking about just being in awe of God and he, he said that he thought what that meant is when they took off the seventh seal and they opened the scroll and everybody just stands there going like this <laughs> for 30 minutes <laughs> can't process what, it's, what it means but, uh, but we have a scripture that helps us understand this Zephaniah 1 verse 7 Stand in silence in the presence of the Sovereign Lord
3: for the awesome day of the Lord's judgment is near. Read it it one more time, Caitlin. Oh, oh,
1: okay.
3: (laughs) Stand in silence in the presence of the Sovereign Lord for the awesome day of the Lord's judgment is near. The Lord has prepared his people for a great slaughter and has chosen their executioners.
1: Whoa. So this is now the reason that heaven goes silent. Because they understand when this scroll opens and these trumpets begin to blow, this is something that's very, very bad. This is a time. This is a mourning in heaven. This is they are, they are sad. They are, uh, they're just blown away about the, the the bad stuff that's about to happen. Okay. And so, um, if we are there on this day. If you and I, who have passed before these things take place, then you and I are going to be mourning at the coming judgment that God... And let me just add this as a parenthesis. We talk about God's judgment. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, right? We believe that. That's why you shouldn't take vengeance on people. You shouldn't seek that. Vengeance is a good thing. We are programmed to want a right outcome, right? But the problem is when we take vengeance into our own hands, we mess it up. And we hurt ourselves in the process. So don't get involved in taking vengeance on people. Give it to the Lord because he is the one who is able to bring revenge, to bring judgment on situations. That's what these martyrs were crying out for. And so, but what I want to say about that is when you see God's judgment really happen it is not a reason to celebrate. God is not overjoyed at bringing destruction on the earth. He is not willing that any man would perish, right? We understand that. God's will is that we would repent and turn to Him. But when the world does not do that, when the earth has now been stripped of the church and the End times are playing out. you got to sit down, brother. You are going to... When when all of heaven is made aware that judgment is about to fall, the day of the Lord is upon us, that just makes everybody want to sit down and be quiet. It's a heavy thing to understand what's about to happen. So these trumpets begin to blow. Um, Trumpets have deep roots in the history of Israel. Uh, let's read Joel 2 verse
3: 1. Blow the trumpet of Zion
1: <laughs> and
3: equal a alarm in my holy mountain Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble For the day of the Lord come, for it is night at, at hand.
1: Mm-hmm. So again, it's the same, same, um, the same words that are being used. The day of the Lord is soon; it's coming quickly. That's why they blew the trumpet. Uh, it was a call to blow the trumpet because the day of the Lord is approaching. We have a, uh, also in Ezekiel thirty-three verses one through six.
0: Uh, again the word of the Lord came to me saying son of man speak to the children of your people and say to them when I bring the sword upon the land and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman when he sees the sword coming upon the land if he blows the trumpet and warns the people then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning if the sword comes and takes him away his blood shall be on his own head he heard the sound of the trumpet But did not take warning, his blood shall be upon himself. But he who takes warning will save his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. Okay, so this
1: account of the watchman is uh, serious. We need to take that call seriously. And in many ways, in our culture, we are the watchmen on the wall. And, but, but what I want you to catch from that scripture is that what is the role of the trumpet in that scripture? Warning. It's warning. That's right. It's a, it's a trumpet call to be warned. It's kind of like the guy who stands on the tower, seeing the enemy approaching. He blows, or they got a bell. They're ringing the bell because something terrible is about to happen, right? So in the same way, these trumpets in the book of Revelation serve as these things uh, warnings of woe and judgment and danger that are that are coming to the earth alright um, first Thessalonians um, yeah let me skip that ok so let's go to the next section here so let's go into the first trumpet this is verse 7 chapter 8 The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. A third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. So this first trumpet relates to the vegetation of the earth. What does the vegetation of the earth do for us, Patrick?
3: The vegetation of the earth gives us oxygen, it gives us nutrients, it provides food for the animals that we eat. Mm-hmm. So, and with that being said, the, third of the trees, that's probably the Amazon. <laughs> uh,
1: they say the Amazon is on fire right now. Uh, and a lot of people are upset about that. Uh, but that's nothing compared to this first trumpet as it takes place. Are you raising your hand over here? Oh, okay, sorry. Um, so this first trumpet marks the vegetation God's judgment is first shown on the destruction of vegetation green grass a third of the trees were burned up can you imagine if one third of the oxygen giving plants on this planet were wiped out that uh, you know these these post-apocalyptic movies are pretty popular these days of what the world's going to be like in future times and when things all... All get worse before they get better, but this is this is for real. I mean now we're looking at this uh, we have to also re- be reminded that this doesn't happen instantly. The trumpet sounds, and that begins the process of all of this uh, all of this judgment. So then we have the second trumpet, verse eight. The second angel sounded something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood and a third of living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed so now in the in the previous chapters we saw destruction to one-fourth of everything now we're seeing destruction in one-third of everything so one-third of the vegetation and now one-third of the seas are destroyed so um we know that this is not literally a great mountain burning with fire that is thrown into the sea, but, but the apostle in the ancient world, he probably can't, doesn't have words to describe what he's seeing. So he says something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. So what do you suppose that uh, the apostle John was seeing? I mean, we, we can't read in too much here, uh, but we might have some ideas. Yes? Um, an asteroid
2: uh, coming from out of space actually striking into the ocean.
1: That certainly is within the possibility, isn't it? Denise, did you? <laughs> what do you think? A volcano. A volcano. That's interesting. So the second trumpet sounds like the eruption of a great volcano. Uh, this is similar. Isn't it interesting that we have more imagery that goes back to Egypt. What did the Bible say happened to the river Nile in those ten tribes? Yes?
2: I believe it turned
1: to blood. That's right. The, the rivers of the Nile turned into blood. And this was, this was a, an affront to the Egyptian culture because they worshipped the Nile River as their god. They believed that the Nile was god because of all of its life-giving properties and and so when, when the God of the Hebrews strikes the Nile River, turns it to blood, and he's saying basically, oh, your, your God of the Nile doesn't have much power, does he? Okay, so uh, in these last days, this great tribulation, the seas are struck, and a third of living creatures in the sea die. We have the third trumpet then in verse 10. The third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, like a, a burning like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of that star is Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. Okay, so we have waters of the sea that were struck by the second uh, trumpet. Now we have the third trumpet, which applies to what? What what waters are we talking about now? Fresh water. That's right. So we have salt water, fresh water. So think about places on the earth today that are already in a crisis for water, like Phoenix, Arizona. So, you know, uh, Phoenix has to import most of its water from California and Nevada. And they have these huge canals that take water in. So all of a sudden, uh, when water is already scarce, now there's going to be some kind of comet or meteorite that comes down uh, the name of it was called Wormwood, and and somehow, the, as this strikes the earth, it's going to affect one-third of all freshwater sources on the earth. And many men died from that water because it was made bitter. So uh, does anybody know about Wormwood? What does that refer to? Oh, Patrick? I was actually what it is. Oh, okay. Yep. Somebody want to take a guess? Um, wormwood is what they
2: use to make abstinence and abstinence, make what abstinence okay, yep, and abstinence is an illegal substance in the state because of how potent it is to the
1: human body, and what does it do to the human body exactly
2: it intoxicates people and it also dries it uh it dries out most of the uh water in your body, so it kind of just it makes you extremely dehydrated
1: wow, so um Typically they would use um wormwood it it's not a poisonous substance necessarily but it has a very strong and bitter taste the the fact that it's used here in this scripture simply means it's a it's it's used as a metaphor for calamity and sorrow the bitterness of this plant uh obviously it ruins the water that it is that it's in and so um that that is terrible. I mean, we depend on water every day. You can survive a couple of weeks without food, but you're not going to survive only but a few days if you don't have a good source of water. Yes. I suppose it could be interpreted that way. Absolutely. Okay. Now, now just remember, I'm not... Again, we have to repeat this from last week. We are not here to scare everyone to death. (laughs) But we do want to examine these things since they're in the Word of God. Who who is suffering as a result of all of these trumpets and judgments? Who is suffering? Patrick? These These are unbelievers. This is God pouring out His judgment on a sinful world. Is everybody with me so far? And so, yes, these are terrible things, but they are not happening to God's people. And even the ones that are still on the earth, the ones who are marked on their forehead with the mark of God, they will not be suffering these things. So they will still be within the areas where the two-thirds of people who are still living where they are, right? So this only applies to the one-third. Okay, let's go to the uh, uh, fourth trumpet. So we're now at the fourth trumpet of, the first of this group of seven trumpets. The fourth angel sounded, this is verse 12, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, and a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. Okay, so uh, this fourth trumpet, again, sticking with the theme of thirds. Calamity in thirds. Uh, No doubt if if we have the vegetation, a third of that's died. And now we have a third of the sea is dead. We have a third of the fresh water. And now the atmosphere is suffering, right? The atmosphere is suffering in such a way that it's blocking out the light from the sun. Blocking out a third of whatever uh, whatever the sunshine normally is. Only two-thirds of it now is able to get through. The earth is, sh- is shutting down, right? This is, this is kind of like uh, someone who, your body, you know that there's something wrong with your body because you feel it shutting down. I've got to get to the doctor now. So this is what happens when you're, uh, when you're dehydrated, for example. Your body just begins to shut down. So this, this is what's happening to the entire earth as God's judgment is poured out upon it. So just like we saw the first four seals, that were taken off the scroll. We also have the first four trumpets. That was just bad, bad news. But listen to what John says. This is his commentary now as he's watching these trumpets blow and he's watching the earth suffer. He says, I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet, of the three angels who are about to sound. So we've got four out of seven that have already been completed, and there's three left. And the angel that is watching all of this take place, he says the triple-fold woe. Does anybody know what the word woe means in the Bible? W-O-E, not W-O-A-H. That's what you say when you're amazed at something. Whoa, dude. Uh, But that's not this woe. When the angel uses the word woe, what is it? Caution. It
2: means, um, it means like, uh, it's like, uh, I feel sorry for you
1: for what is going to happen to you. That's right. And the reason he says it three times is because there's still three trumpets remaining. And again, the, the whole story of these, these few chapters in the book of Revelation it's like it gets worse before it gets better <laughs> it gets worse before it gets better and um, it reminds me again of this this imagery of a woman in childbirth right and so the the pains of labor as they become more intense and more frequent are leading up to something and here is the earth going through labor pains in these final seven year great tribulation period and so here the angel says a triple woe to the rest of the people who are still alive on the earth. All right, so then we jump to chapter 9, which is the fifth trumpet. Somebody want to read this for us? Uh, Marquita? why don't you read uh, verse 1 through 3? And somebody else? Denise, verses 4 through 6. And somebody else? Gabby, um verses seven through twelve. So this is the first woe, which is the also the fifth trumpet. Go ahead, Marquita. And the fifth
2: angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven on to the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth and unto them was given power as the the scorpions
1: of the earth
2: had power
1: okay verses 4 through 6
4: They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth, or any green thing, or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them.
1: That sounds pretty bad. And then verses 7 through 12.
3: In appearance, the, lo- the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were that looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like woman's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots, with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. The first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are still to come
1: whoa <laughs> woe is right so this is again the fifth trumpet the first woe of three and this first woe, the fifth trumpet is all about locusts that come from the bottomless pit and now we could spend we could spend a few minutes trying to figure out what these locusts are but i don't think that that would be helpful <laughs> because we've never seen anything like these things these are certainly different from the locusts which appear as one of the plagues of Egypt it's interesting we still get echoes back to the plagues of Egypt here but those were natural locusts even though they came in supernatural numbers and in supernatural uh, frequency right the locust which ate up everything in Egypt but these locusts that are described they are not of this earth these are demonic locusts they literally come from the pit of hell and they come in numbers that will overtake the world and for five months they are given free reign to cause harm and suffering to the people on the earth but did you catch what it said there in verse 4 it said only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads So. If you didn't have that seal, you'd be trying to buy one, right? This is going to be a terrible time to be alive on the earth. It said that the torment, in those days, verse 6, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. They will be thinking, I just want to die because of how terrible these terrible creatures are their stings are going to cause pain um and so uh, any comments or questions about this so far it's bad news (laughs) okay let's go to the angel that had power over them the bible describes this angel and uh by the way this is not an angel of heaven because every uh every demon from hell was once what an angel and uh, interesting that we have one third of the angels this is again the same number of uh, uh, the same fraction of those angels that have fallen from heaven and the Bible says fallen to the earth the earth is the dwelling place of hell and all of its fallen angels So this angel that has been given power over these demonic locusts, in Hebrew his name is Abaddon, in Greek his name is Apollyon, what do you think that that means? Caitlin? You're cheating.
4: It says the destroyer.
1: The destroyer. So the destroyer is given authority to destroy and cause unimaginable pain and suffering for a period of five months. One woe is past, and two more woes are coming. Okay, so let's just pause right here. Why is this happening? Why would God be so cruel? I mean, we can't imagine inflicting this kind of pain, these these creatures that are able to cause so much pain and agony to the human race, why is God allowing this to happen? Mike? God's judgment? God's judgment. judgment. Is God cruel to allow a demon called destruction to inflict such agony to cause men that want to die, but death would flee from them? Is God cruel about this or what? Yes, Patrick?
3: I think he's doing this not only for judgment, but to make people repent. He wants to save them, so he's trying to make them suffer. I, I, it sounds cruel, but he's not a cruel God. You just
1: said so yourself. <laughs> yes, I did. You want to add to that? Okay, mom. <laughs>
4: It says that, um, I was kind of looking up the word Apollyon, and that means angel of death. So because uh, he's in charge of the locust, the angel of death isn't letting people die because he's in charge of death. So he's holding back what he really does, just to, you know, it's kind of like a cat with a mouse. He's playing with it and torturing it. So anyway.
1: What a jerk. What a jerk. <laughs> yes, Perla.
3: When you ask why, I feel like it's because God is just. And, you know, like he had warned us with so many prophets in the past. Then he sent Jesus. And then we still have not repented, many of us. And like the world say he is just. And mm-hmm. he is going to have. It's going to be justice. Yep. So for those, you know, who didn't repent, for those who didn't deserve, you know.
1: Yep. It's so, just, I feel like it's just. Absolutely. So he- here's, here's the better question. The question is not why is God so cruel to allow these things to happen in the future times. The better question is this. Why didn't God do this already? why didn't god do this a long time ago why didn't god do this to adam and eve in the garden you know what i'm saying he said to them very clearly you eat the fruit you're going to die they deserved it and every human being since then has deserved this and much worse because we have committed cosmic treason against the king of kings and lord of lords with our sins And so the better question is, is God cruel because He's allowing judgment? The better question is, how come He has not done this already? We are living in an age of grace. The age of the church. This dispensation of time from the cross until the rapture takes place. We live in this window of God's unimaginable grace. And we ought to be thankful for that. Because what we're reading about right now is the judgment against sin. Sin. Sin is what caused this. It is man's rebellion against God. All right? So, everybody clear about that? (laughs) So we have the fifth trumpet, which is the first woe. And now, let's look at the sixth. And I think we will close with the sixth trumpet, the, the second woe. So this is uh, chapter 9, verse 13. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, um, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels, who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year, were released to kill a third of mankind. Now, remember, for five months, the world has been wishing for death but has not been able to see it. And now these four angels are released to kill a third of those that remain on the earth. Yes?
2: I have a question. Okay. So is it going to be like those um, two angels that went to Sodom and Gomorrah that killed those people in Sodom and Gomorrah?
1: So the, the people oh, of Sodom and Gomorrah were killed by the fire and right, brimstone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The angels were, were there to deliver uh, Lot and his family. They, they, were, they were not death angels. Um, so we, it's not I- perfectly identified here whether these are angels of God or whether these are demon spirits, but it does say that, uh, that they were in heaven. <laughs> so I think it's, it's, it's obvious here. It says um, the four horns... There's a sixth angel. Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day. Okay, so verse 16. uh, Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, those who sat on them in breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. But the rest of mankind, who were not killed by these plagues, watch this, they did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. They did not repent of their murders, sorceries, or their sexual immorality, or their thefts. And that is why judgment is being poured out on them. So what's interesting here to me is, is the Bible mentions that they are worshiping demons. They are involved in straight-up demon worship. They are worshiping the very creatures that are tormenting them. And even after seeing all this death and destruction and mayhem and and, uh, terrible stuff, it's still not enough to make them repent. You know what this is? This is the unforgivable sin. The sin against the Holy Spirit that Jesus spoke about. It's the sin of pride that says, Nope, I don't care what you say to me. I will not repent. That is the sin which cannot be forgiven and which will not be forgiven. Every other sin, no matter how wicked it might be, if we repent, God will forgive us. But this sin, that stubborn-headed heart of Pharaoh, says i will resist the holy spirit that's the one that god will never forgive, and that's the one that god is, has to judge in these last days okay i saw a hand go up dave
0: it just uh struck me that um as all these judgments are being poured out you know there's a quarter of the population then another quarter then a third right then another third then another third and and um and it 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 just boggles my mind that God could just wipe everybody out at once, oh sure, and not have to go through seven seals and seven trumpets, and He could just wipe them all he out. He could snap once. his finger like Thanos, he, you right. know. He <laughs> could just, you know. But it's like he, but it's like He takes away a, a, a segment of the population and leaves everybody else, yep, so that they can repent. Yep. And when they don't, another quarter, and then from the people that are left, a third, and then. And then you get all the way down to this and there's still a you know there's still people on the earth who yeah. are, who's who are still able to repent but they don't. And these are people who
1: are still actively committing wickedness against God. It said in verse twenty one, their murders, their sorceries, sexual immorality, and theft. It's still rampant in the earth. Even in these last uh, in, in this wicked time that's happening. Did you have a comment there? Okay. <laughs> um Okay, now, uh, I think we're going to go ahead and close this off, but just to give you a preview. So now we've witnessed two out of the three woes, and we've made it to six of the seven trumpets. Now there's a pause here, chapter 10 and chapter 11. um, There's a little pause, and there's some events that take place before this final trumpet is blown, the final trumpet of God's judgment. And uh, there's some amazing stuff that happens Um, with the Apostle John and the two witnesses the witnesses killed and resurrected and then the seventh trumpet is where it starts to turn around but again it gets worse before it gets better (laughs) so we're going to go ahead and close in prayer tonight let's bow our heads this
0: evening close our eyes we thank you again for listening do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox make sure to sign up